rain. Uh, tomorrow it's going to be like 30. Then it's going to be 60. We're going to get four, four seasons all week long. So this is winter in Oklahoma. So when the days come and the sun is out, soak up as much vitamin D as you possibly can. And when it's rainy, soak up as much humidity as you can. So, uh, you know, remember the days of the perm where the humidity just completely like screwed it up? Yeah. Yeah, that's coming back. You know, everything comes back full circle. So um, Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Uh, glad to have you here at HFF. Uh, we've got Stephen Drews doing the first five this week, and the main message is by uh, Ephraim Judah. Uh, next week, uh, if we've got some people who would like to help us do setup, um, both, all three, Ephraim, Daniel, and myself will all be gone. Now, in the three years that HFF has been uh, in existence, there has never been a week that all three of us as pastors have been gone. And so um, Ephraim is teaching at a youth camp in Lubbock. I am leading worship at the same youth camp, and Daniel is assisting at the youth camp. And so all three of us will be gone next week. But with us being gone, Monty Judah will be our guest speaker uh, for the main message of the Sabbath service. So we're blessed to have Monty Judah uh, who will be sharing. Yeah, claps, absolutely. Uh, whenever you get to have a sage uh, in your community and then they're willing to come and speak with you, that's a, that's a huge honor. And so next week, Monty Judah will be doing the main message. But if uh, if some of you have the ability to get here a little bit earlier to help with, uh, help with Cameron and Stephen and some of the other guys uh, setting up the tables and chairs, getting ready for Oneg, all that stuff will still happen. Uh, just uh, don't be alarmed that uh, all three of us happen to be out of town uh, helping out at a youth camp next week. So um, February 16th, uh, Yosef Rami Danielli will be here, uh, an Israeli believer, um, all the way from the land. He'll be here to be our guest speaker for that Shabbat. We won't have a first five that week. He'll be doing uh, the whole entire message uh, for us at that point in time. Um, we are working on getting volunteers for a Sunday. We don't have a specific Sunday set up yet. But the Drews have a neighbor who has some uh, some need to have a work day at their house, specifically in the garage area. And so um, if there's some guys who, uh, who are willing to help out with this, come see uh, Stephen after service. We're trying to put together a bunch of guys to do that, maybe even a little tiny trailer uh, so we can haul off some trash for them. But um, just like we continue to do, we like to be an outreach to the community. Their neighbors have a need. And so uh, we're going to all try to come together on a Sunday morning. Uh, so we're trying to find a Sunday morning that would work best for as many men as possible um, to be able to go in, help uh, organize their garage, get things set up, get some of the trash cleaned out, and, and all the other things that are there. So if you have the availability to help with that, especially on a Sunday morning, please see Stephen. We'll try to put together uh, a Sunday date that works the best. We'll try to also do that when it's not rainy and 30 degrees outside, uh, because we don't need to bring on our own tribulations. We're good enough with that. So we'll try to do that on one of the Sundays where we actually have 60, 70 degrees. Uh, and so we'll keep you guys updated with that. Um, in the bulletin, there's more information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. And so uh, if you're looking uh, to try to get engaged in a Bible study or get engaged in uh, the marriage group that we have, um, check out the bulletin for more information on that. Um, also want to remind everybody that uh, we do have a prayer gathering every single Saturday morning at 945 in the classroom. So if you're a prayer warrior, if the Lord has given you the gift of prayer in 
and intercession, uh, you are invited to come and join with us on Saturday mornings. It's important, you know, this is this is a facility that we don't own, so there's people coming in and out of this facility uh, all day long, and we want to continue to lift up the facility, lift up the people who are coming, lift up the uh, the people who will be speaking, leading worship, and uh, then on top of the, the plethora of needs that are going on in the community right now. And so um, if you have the gift of prayer and intercession, please uh, join with them. Stephen and Lynn and uh, the Frickers, there's a lot of people who come every single Saturday and they have committed to prayer before anybody even shows up. They're actually praying for you as you're getting in the car and driving here. And so um, that's uh, that's one of those spiritual gifts that is is extremely important. And in a corporate setting, sometimes it, it's a little bit hard to do. So um, we definitely want to encourage you if you have that gift to come and join with them. The men's prayer breakfast is January 20th, which is a week from tomorrow at Monte Judas home. Information is in the bulletin. And we'd like to encourage all the men uh, to come out, eat breakfast, have a good time of fellowship, uh, address and time and everything is in here. And would love to have you um, come and join us for that. So let's go ahead. Let's uh, stand up. Let's try to find somebody that maybe we haven't spoken to before. Say hi to him. Shabbat Shalom. And we're going to get started with, uh, with a time of praise and worship uh, today. Shout your praise forevermore, Yeshua, our 
God, we just thank you for the Shabbat. We thank you for the opportunity to come together, Father. For, Father, you are holy. You are worthy. There's nothing that you cannot do, Father. And so, Father, that's our prayer today is that you would be lifted high, that you would be lifted high above anything else, Father, that you are unstoppable. There is nothing you cannot do. There is, there is healing that you can bring forth, Father. You are worthy of all praise, and we love you, Father, in the name of Yeshua. Amen.
Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need Sin runs deep, your grace is warm, where grace is found, that's where you are, and where you are, Lord, Lord. Yeah. 
You are our righteousness, Father. Father, in a world that questions your very existence, in a world that believes they have all the answers, may we never forget that we need you. May we never forget the one who breathed life into our lungs. The one who put the hairs on our head. The one who knows everything about us. May we not forget just how marvelous you are. How mighty you are. For Father, all of our hope is in you. Not by our righteousness, because we have none, Father but by your righteousness and for your namesake. O King, Helper, Savior, and Shield, the Holy One of Israel, blessed be your name. For Father, there isn't anything that you cannot do. There is no shadow that you won't light up to come after your children, Father. Nothing is impossible with you, El Elyon. And Father, we just commit this time to you. May our offering of praise be acceptable in your sight, Father, and bring glory and honor to you and you alone. For it's in the name of Yeshua we humbly come before you. Amen and amen. And now it's time for us to humbly come before him as we pray for one another. So let me share some prayer requests with you. I want to remind everybody that we do have a prayer time at 945 that meets in that glass room over there. And everyone's welcome to come. You can stay for as long as you want, as short as you want. You can pop in. If you have a prayer need, you can share it with them, uh, and they can pray for you. Uh, you can stay there for the whole time. Uh, they try to finish up before the service starts, so you can go in there whenever you want to. Anytime from a quarter till 10, till 10.30, you're welcome to go join them and pray for uh, what other people, pray for this congregation, pray for the leadership, pray for the nation. Whatever that God puts on your heart. So uh, let me encourage you. 
if you if you can to come and be a part of that group that prays here for everybody else. And as as Chris mentioned, all the the three leaders or elders are going to be gone next week, so we need to be praying for them for safety as they travel to Lubbock and for Chris as he leads the worship time at the youth camp, for Ephraim as he brings the messages, and for Daniel as he helps out. And uh, I guess we should be praying for their wives, who uh, as I, I guess are going to be left holding the bag with all the kids, so <laughs> without any help. So we need to, but we just need to remember to pray for them, that God will bless their time down there, and that uh, they'll have an impact on the youth at this camp. And then we, we need to be praying for Monty as he's preparing to come and share next week with us what God has put on his heart. Patrice uh, has asked a prayer for her family. Uh, she had an aunt that just passed away and last night, and she has another aunt that has been given very little time to live. No. Oh, both of them have passed away. Okay, so, all right. So she did have very little time to live. Yes, okay. All right, so we need to pray for Patrice and that family uh, as uh, a double whammy there as two members of the family have passed away. And continue to pray for Patrice and her healing as she continues to recover from the surgery that she had. Uh, And talking about that, Mark... Uh, needs some surgery on his knee. And as you recall, there were issues with the insurance company. Well, this is a new year, and he has a new insurance company. So he's back to square one, working through that. So we need to pray for his insurance company that they will uh, recognize his need and that they will approve the surgery on his knee. And speaking of knees, we seem to have an epidemic of knee issues. Uh, Amy, who was up here playing the organ, whatever you call that thing. Anyway, she has issues with her knee, and she's going through physical therapy, and she's have, dealing with a lot of pain right now, so we need to remember Amy uh, and pray that the physical therapy will take care of the issues that she has with her knee and that she won't need any surgery. But we also just need to pray that God will sustain her. Uh, if you've ever been through, through physical therapy, you know that uh, they say what? No pain, no gain? So... They're not the ones going through the pain. They're the ones giving you the pain. But anyway, uh, so we know that pain is an essential part of it. And God has given us a body that senses pain to tell us that there's a problem. So we, but we need to be praying for, for Amy. And Deborah McCullough has asked us to pray for her family. There are some things going on that she uh, wants prayer for. So we just remember to be praying for her. So, with that, let me turn it over to you, and then I'll close this in a few minutes.
Father, we come before you with grateful hearts, thanking you for your many blessings, many of which we don't even re realize that you've given us. But we ask that uh, you would listen, have listened to what our requests are this morning, that you've heard them, and that you, we know you will answer them. So we pray for those people that we have uh, brought before you. Thank you that uh, not only are you the great physician, but you're the creator of this universe. You're the sustainer of this universe. And everything that is alive and breathes only is alive and breathes because you allow it. So we place all these people into your hands. And thank you for what you're going to accomplish is, uh, in each of these lives. We pray for the service this morning. And ask that you would bless everything that goes on here this morning. That uh, the messages would speak to our hearts. That the messengers would bring your word to us this morning. Open up our hearts that we might hear you this morning. That we might take your word and place it in our hearts. And that we would act upon it as you lead us through your spirit. So we commit this time to you, and we thank you for what you're going to accomplish in each of our lives. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right, if I can have the children come up, and we have a winner. She had a head start. She knew what was coming. We got a full house today. Look at all these beautiful smiling faces. All right. Let us go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. Father, we thank you for this fellowship, this congregation. We thank you for this facility that we have an opportunity to meet in each and every week. And Father, we thank you for the blessings and the provisions, Lord, and the abundance and the fruitfulness that we have in our congregation. We thank you for each and every one of these children before us, Lord, and their beautiful smiling faces, Lord. They are a reminder to us, Lord, of your blessings and your faithfulness, Lord. For you remembering our covenant, Lord, making us fruitful and prosperous, even in a nation and a land that is not our own. Father, we bless you and thank you for each and every one of these children. Father, we thank you for the opportunity and the um, honor that it is that we get a chance to raise, raise these children up, to walk uprightly before you, Lord. So, Father, I pray for the parents, the fathers, the mothers, the grandparents, any elder that has an opportunity to speak life into these children. Father, we pray that it would always be your words of wisdom, Lord, that we would speak life into these children, Lord, and that you would encourage us and you would strengthen us as sometimes our patience is tested. So, Father, we bless the sons. May, them be, may they be as Ephraim and Manasseh. Make them fruitful and multiply, Lord, as they grow and walk uprightly before you, Lord. And bless the daughters. Make them Ruth as Ruth and as Esther, Lord. Make them righteous daughters of Zion, Lord. 
May kindness always be upon their lips. And Father, may we even learn from them, Lord, how to be faithful and believe in you. For Father, as they lift their arms up to their father and their mother to pick them up and comfort them, Father, may we learn to lift our arms up to you, our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we seek the Comforter. So we bless you on this Sabbath day, and we thank you for these children. Father, I pray that you would turn your face toward them, lift up your countenance upon them, and give them peace. It's in your Son, Yeshua, that we pray all of these things and these blessings upon our children on this Sabbath day. We thank you. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right, children are dismissed to your class, ages 4 through 12. Got a craft for you. And the nursery is open as well for any younger than that. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. I've graduated to an iPad. Hopefully I don't break it um, as I get my page open here. So this week, this week we are moving along in Exodus. So um, second, I think it's the third portion in Exodus. It's called bow, which means to come in. It's kind of funny, you think it'd be to go out, because this is kind of the entrance of like the children of Israel leaving Egypt, but it actually means to come in. Anyway, so I'll give you kind of a synopsis of this week's passage. So within this week's passage, um, it references the last three plagues that occur to the land of Egypt, and they are the locusts, the darkness for three days, and the death of the firstborn. So also within this, within this passage, uh, it talks about the specifications of how the children of Israel are supposed to keep the Pesach, how they're supposed to keep it for the generations, and tell the story and relate to them um, why they keep the Pesach. So as you read, we see the importance of it. So two things I wanted to draw from this passage um, that really kind of stick out to me, and I hopefully hopefully this is new to you. Hopefully this will strike home, it'll strike, strike a chord with you. Um, but the one thing, I mean, first thing I wanted to focus on was Pharaoh, right? Like, oh, he's the, obviously he's the bad guy. But I think there's definitely some things we can draw from in his story. So Pharaoh's heart, it was hardened by God. Um, and demonstrate, God demonstrates his power through his hardening of Pharaoh's heart. See, but Pharaoh wasn't aware of the fact that, you know, his heart, his own heart was being hardened by God. And for us, as long as we're alive, you know, we know we're accountable for our own actions. So, and so was Pharaoh. Ultimately, he is accountable. He was held accountable for things that he did and said, so Pharaoh was certain that he was going to have control over what was going to happen to the children of Israel. Through all the interactions he had with, you know, with God through Moses, he was grasping for anything. He was always saying, you know, okay, you know what? All right, I, I'll let the children of Israel go, but on my terms, okay? It's always going to be under my watch. I, I'm going to be the one to set the standard. God, it's not you. It's really, I'm still ultimate. I'm still the God King Pharaoh, the, the leader of the greatest nation in, you know, in the world. Um... But ultimately, God said, no, that's, that's not the case. So, if, yeah, ultimately, if Pharaoh was saying, you know what, I'll, I'll, let the, I'll let the people go, but, you know, you have to keep your, your herds and your flocks here. Or he said, you know, you know what, the men can go, but we're going to keep the children and everybody else here, okay? It's still going to be on my terms. So, okay, um, but obviously, Yodhavavi, he's exerting his strength and making clear to Pharaoh and everyone else in Egypt and the children of Israel 
that he's the one with the ultimate control, and it'd be no other way. And it took 10 great plagues to break Pharaoh of his will and to make him understand that Yahweh will be the one that have dominion over his own people. So, was, was Pharaoh being stubborn? Yes. Was he being strong-willed? Yes. Was it good for him and his people? Obviously not. It brought about their destruction. So the bottom line, everything Pharaoh did was a bad idea, which makes this lesson really easy to teach. But it specifies. So, so the specifics of how this applies to us is Yahweh's pushing, pushing him. And he's wanting us to know that we're not the ones that have control of our lives. So if we look objectively at ourselves, are we coming before yod you know, the God of all the earth, and saying, okay, you know what, God, I'll give you the Sabbath, but you know what, the rest of this I'm going to keep for myself, okay? My relationship with you, my life before you is going to be on my terms, okay? You know what, I'll give you the Sabbath, I'll look spiritual for you throughout the week sometimes, but really, I'm still going to watch secular TV. When I'm at work, I'm still going to indulge in secular conversations and, and kind of do what I want to do for those times, but I'll give you a little bit, okay? And God's ultimately going to say, no, no, like, your life is not your own. I made you. I am the sovereign God. You'll do as I say. And he's not, he's not just like this, you know, overbearing father. Like, he loves us. Ultimately, it's for our good, just as it was for the children of Israel. The second aspect I want to draw from this message is that the children of Israel, this is kind of leaving Pharaoh behind, you know, but so as far as the children of Israel, while they were there in Egypt, well, all the ten plagues, the destruction of Egypt, all these terrible things that were happening around them, ultimately they had very little to do with what actually happened. They were pretty subjective to everything, you know. They were kind of like, okay, now there's locusts and now there's darkness and now everyone's dying and we're just kind of sitting here. So ultimately, like if, if we look at another story, like what if God had, had you know, allowed them to be like kind of like a revolutionary? What if they were, had all of a sudden gotten strength and they overtook the, the Egyptians and they cut them all down with swords and they went out of Egypt victoriously? No, like they were completely subjective to what the Lord was doing. Everything that happened was by the Lord's strength and by his hand. The only thing the children of Israel got to do was basically listen and obey. And if they didn't, they were punished and, or, and or died. I can imagine if, if the children of Israel were, had their own strength and their own power to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians... How much worse would it have been in, in the wilderness? We already know that they were, they were completely rebellious. They were completely, you know, denying God's will. How much worse would it have been? God calls the same things out of us. You know, he, give, he gives us things to do, but ultimately it's to his glory. We have nothing to glory in and of ourselves. God desires us to be subject before him, to yield to him, to submit to him, to listen to him. And he can accomplish his will, his perfect will for us. His deliverance is brought forth for us. Anytime we try and take that, that, that authority back from God, we're judged. We see what happened with Korah, obviously with Pharaoh, and, and so, you know, several other small figures in the Bible, like, like Achan. Anytime they tried to, to step outside of God's will and set standards for themselves, they were judged. Let this be an admonition for all of us, for me, for you, that we can take this day to realize, you know what? My life is not my own. Everything that I have is a gift from God. So why should I do nothing less than seek out his will for my life? Instead of, you know, rationalizing, rationalizing away or, or, or deciding, you know, oh, yeah, I can probably do that. Or, or kind of negotiating with God, being like, okay, it's fine. I'll, I'll go to HFF and I'll go and, 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 you know, look spiritual and be there for a while. No, God calls us to more. God calls us to every single moment of every single day. Obviously, that's not easy. It's not a one-second transformation. It takes time. God knows that. 
But that's at least it should be your direction, your pursuit. May that be for us today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much that we have a place to gather. We thank you so much that we have a place to commune together and be in fellowship. And we can praise your name, Father. I know we live in a world, Father, where, where so much of, of what the world has to offer looks so tantalizing, looks so tempting, Father. It looks so prosperous. But thank you, Father, that you're calling us to something greater. Help us, Father, to realize that you are for our good, Father. And that we don't pursue you just so that we can have our good, Father, but because we love you. We're created to worship you. Help us to know that, Father, and to go beyond that and to walk in it, Father. To know your word, Father, to live upon your word, to live it out. Thank you for the families, Father. Thank you that you desire to bless us in ways that we typically don't understand, Father, especially from a fleshly perspective, but you desire great things for us. Please do great things, Father, in us, through us, for this community, Father, and have your way. Father, we thank you so much for this day. This day is a blessed day, Father, that you can be in, so please, we invite you here. In Yeshua's name, amen. Shabbat Shalom. I know there's always been so many comments about the weather today, but at Oklahoma, man, it never never disappoints when it comes to the uh, expect the unexpected around here from time to time. <clears throat> For a lot of us... <clears throat> Life doesn't always go as we would expect it to. It changes like the weather changes. It uh, Sometimes it certainly, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who would ever have the testimony that say that life turned out the way that they thought it would or planned that it would. That was the same for the uh, patriarchs. When you have Abraham, who was, you know, 75 years old when he's called by God, and then suddenly he starts talking to God, becoming the friend of God, following the promises of God. 25 years later, he has a son. His son has to wait 60 years. There's a, there's a thing about having to wait for the plan and the will of God as it comes down the pike. But even after you become a believer, even if you have a testimony of following the Lord, sometimes you end up in slumps. You end up in times in which you're kind of wondering and questioning. It's like, God, are you, are, are you really there? A lot of us come across those questions. We have to ask those questions a lot of times. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his path. Life does not go the way you plan it to go. Usually ends up in a place where you didn't even think you'd end up there. I'm sure some of you can rewind back in your memory, and you can go back to maybe a time before when maybe some of you might before you were a believer. And that whatever you're doing in your life, and then something, the Lord bonked you on the head, and you suddenly became a believer, maybe started attending church, you started following the Lord there, and maybe you were involved in that church, in that Christian church. When you were sitting there, you never would have thought that you'd find yourself then, you know, X amount of years later, you're sitting in a messianic assembly, that you, some former Christian, then suddenly starting to follow Torah. You never would have thought that. But sure enough, the Lord directed your path, and, and, and there was always some sort of catalyst Something that started you on that journey. A new beginning, if you will. So the title of my message is A Being Begging for a Beginning. It's a little play on words. I originally started with begging for a beginning, and then I realized that it could have, uh, that I could play with the words a little bit more because they all kind of look the same. Being begging for a beginning. 
That's what we kind of all are sometimes. We're looking for whatever that new step is, especially when you're in that slump. I'm sure if you had told Chris Frankie all those years ago, a preppy white kid growing up in Mason, Ohio, that he'd end up in Oklahoma working in ministry, he never would have believed you. What an amazing blessing that he nailed it on his first try and he just came straight there to here. Didn't work that way. Took a little couple of detours along the way and, and he's, he can tell you the testimony, his testimony and all the different paths that he took. Life kind of throws a few things, curveballs at you at some, from time to time. Daniel, weren't you supposed to be in Dallas this week? Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to, he was on the schedule to teach at uh, DFW this week, but schedules got a little turned around yesterday and then suddenly he's here gracing us with his presence. Six girls, just like you drew it up, right, Daniel? Exactly. Life throws some curveballs at us. We can plan it, but God will later direct the steps and actually walk us on that path. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Proverbs 3, at verse 5, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and learn not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We have to trust the Lord. Left to our own devices, we'd probably end up on some path, Lord knows where. That the Lord himself, he's the one that has directed us and guided us to the place where we are today in our spiritual walk and our physical walk, where we live, you know, a lot of us have prayed to the Lord and we ask the Lord for guidance and, and counsel for even the most basic of physical decisions in the world, whether it's, you know, what house to buy, what car to drive, all those decisions. And as believers, yes, we have that testimony. And, and, and I'm preaching to the choir if I say, trust in the Lord in all things. But that doesn't stop us from hitting a slump from time to time. Wondering what's the next step. Lord, are, are you there? Is there what, is, what truly is the next decision? Now, one, we can, we can learn some patience. In fact, that's often what the Lord is teaching us. If you turn to the book of James... I saw this week the very unofficial poll on Facebook that James is everybody's favorite book of the Bible. So if you go to James chapter 1, starting right there at verse 2, it reads this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That's what my new King James says. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. All right, so we're here in our spiritual walk. We're feeling tested from time to time, and he's testing our patience. And we probably, I, I'm, I know there's some of you that are probably thinking that, and that's, that's very relatable. When you're kind of wondering, it's like, Lord, what, what's going on? What, what, what's the next step? Well, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting. He's testing your patience. But the ultimate goal is that you might become perfect and complete. That you might pass that trial, pass that struggle that you find yourself in. And then that we would be perfect. But, as some of you probably have the testimony of, again, you were sitting in a place once where you believed in God and you thought the Lord was blessing you there in that place. But years down the road, he took you up out of that Christian church and maybe you ended up here in a messianic assembly. 
you, you may have gotten the sense that it's like you had already passed trials of, of patience and that you already felt like you maybe had arrived somewhere, but then, lo and behold, years later, you, you arrive in a completely different place. What's to say that there's not going to become some other new beginning for you and there might be years down the road that you find yourself on a completely different journey than the one you are on today? How do we know that we're on, that we've arrived at something that we can hold on to rather than have this fear that the world can change on us? I think there is an answer to that. I think there is an answer to if you're sitting there and you're, and you're begging, is there going to be a new beginning? Is something in my life going to change? I think there's a confidence that we can have in the word of the Lord that gives us an answer to that. What we often do in our lives is we look in all the wrong places for something that is new. When we're looking for a new beginning, when we're looking for the Lord to move in our lives, sometimes we're expecting the Lord to do something that maybe he's already done before. And we're expecting whatever that new thing to be is just like we've maybe seen it before. If you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. This is a very interesting passage. And in fact, it, it seems like, even in, uh, across the prophet Isaiah, he almost contradicts himself in a couple of things, but I hope to maybe clear some of that up. In Isaiah chapter 43, beginning at verse 18, it says this, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Here in the scripture it says, do not remember the things of old, but I'll also point out later on in the scripture there's many times that we are to remember the former things, the things and the miracles that God has done. So this doesn't mean that we're to forget or cast away everything of old. Believe you me, we are meant to remember the covenant with our Heavenly Father and remember His great works and His wonders that He's done. So that clearly this is not what the scripture is talking about. God is doing a new thing. Now, obviously, the Hebrew term and the, the Hebrew understanding of when it says new, it's always a renewed thing. It's something that is, that is fresh. But I want to talk about something that when we're looking for a miracle in our life, when we're looking for that new beginning, that, that, that new journey, and the Lord, where are you? What is the next thing that you are going to reveal in my life? Often we look in the wrong places. Sometimes the thing you are looking for doesn't look like what has already happened in the past. We can read the stories of old in the scripture. We can think of the children of Israel, that they were journeyed out of the Egyptian exodus, out of slavery. And then when they got to the Red Sea, when they reached that first barrier of the water, the Lord parted those waters. The waters fleed, created a path in the water, and the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. Man, it'd be amazing if the Lord could just reveal things and open paths and doors in the same way he did in the ancient times. 
We might sit sometimes and look for that miraculous open door. But the thing is, sometimes God doesn't reveal miracles in your life perhaps in exactly the same way that he did once before. See, in ancient times, yes, he, he made a path through the waters. And then the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Here in our passage in Isaiah, he says this, I will make a road in the wilderness and put water into the desert. That's a little bit different. That's a little bit different than the way the Exodus kind of was. They wandered in the wilderness. He will make the path straight. And people will rejoice in the blessings that will abound even in a desert. God, he'll change the miraculous things that he does sometimes in our lives. We tend to treat God and look for the miracles of God in the same way that we look for or get excited about other earthly things. God is a heavenly being. He's not an earthly being. We're sometimes looking for the excitement of what God can provide in the same way that we get excited about driving a new car. Like we're looking for God to do something new, do something special, and we'll like relate that in our mind in the same way that we get excited to, to buy a new car or, or, or do something earthly that we get excited about. But God is way more powerful than that, way bigger than that. We have to not just use our, our earthly mind to look for and sense the moving of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, is we approach the Lord in a lot of things. We look for that excitement that the Lord can provide, or that, again, that new thing. But the thing is, is we're not looking for just a new thing that the Lord is doing that is temporal, that will end. We're looking for a beginning that will never end. When does our eternal life begin? And not just a new stage of your earthly life. We do this with all the things of the Lord. We get excited from time to time. On uh, we, we treat congregation, we treat worship, we treat reading the word like any other activity that we do in our lives. Now, some people, they, they do well with this. They read their scripture every day and more blessings to you. And me, I'm, I'm preaching to myself because I make this mistake all the time. There are those, however, that approach the scripture only once a week. Worship the Lord once a day. We go to, some people go to congregation each and every week to get their fix of the Lord. Something temporary, something that this, so get a new high each week. I hear this from the Camp Yeshua kids as well. I've talked to some youth before and they go to Camp Yeshua, our Messianic youth camp. And somebody, and somebody would come to me and they just, oh man, I really got to come back this year. Man, I'm just, I just feel like I'm running on empty and I just got to gotta get back there and get recharged. So they go to a youth camp. They have an amazing week of worship and, and prayer and teaching. And they get filled up like a, like a gas tank. And then they just sort of like run the engine throughout the year. And then, you know, halfway through, a couple months later, maybe they make it to six months and then they're running on fumes, and they're empty, and they have to be recharged. I would submit that they're not approaching the Lord in perhaps the right way. They're not appro- you, you don't approach the Lord like a gas pump to fill you up until it runs out again. We do this 
spiritually as well, especially when it comes to the worship of the Lord, for those of us that are spiritual and we're looking for, the, for, for that moment of the move of the Spirit that is so worshipful, we treat it like, like a drug, like we're get, trying to go and get a fix. God is not a drug for us to get a high once in a while. But we, a lot of people approach it that way, spiritual people especially. They are looking for that emotional, that first time that they ever had that emotional touch and that worshipful experience with God, and then it's almost like they're chasing that their entire life, that same fix. But I don't think that's how it really works. It is interesting. I did look up, uh, there was an interesting study that I found online. The University of Utah did a study on brainwave patterns for people who are religious and spiritual. And they studied the impact of somebody who, when they, um, that when somebody is, is, believes in God, they said this, believing in God triggers the same regions of your brain that drugs do. The same parts of your brain that are triggered and stimulated by drugs are also stimulated by people when they have a so-called spiritual experience through worship or doing ministry work. The parts of the brain that are stimulated in that is the area of the brain that handles reward and reinforcement, something that's satisfying and your, and your brain is, is stimulated and you're happy and you feel like you've gotten some kind of reward. The other part of the brain is the attention. Your attention becomes focused when you have a spiritual experience. And the last part of the brain that was triggered is the decision-making part of your brain. Now, when it comes to drugs, yes, those things are all... All of those parts of the brain are completely stimulated and usually are overstimulated and drugs produce lapses in those areas, but it completely skews their decision-making at that time. Spiritually, apparently, according to the study, it does the same thing. Now, the people doing the study might be of a secular nature and what they're trying to prove is that spiritual people and people who are religious and believe in God are really just people, they're like addicts that are just trying to get a fix and they're kind of lumping spiritual people in with drug addicts. For some people, that might actually be the case, unfortunately. But that's not actually how I approach it. What I instead see is I actually see scientific proof of the moving of the Spirit that when you believe in God, He will lead and guide you. He will capture your attention You will feel blessed and rewarded for doing it, and it will impact your decision-making when you believe in God. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. That whatever you decide to do, the way you decide to walk, whatever path you decide to go down, is impacted by the Spirit of God. The impact of you believing in God, believing in a higher power, worshiping His name, that when you have that experience, It takes over your decision-making, it captures your attention, and you are blessed, and you you feel this this blessing and this wave of reward because of it. To me, that's scientific proof for the move of the Spirit. I think they got it. That's what we need to recognize about our Heavenly Father, that that is what He That's what he does when he leads us and guides us, when he's guiding our steps, guiding our paths, when we believe in him. He helps us in making the decisions for our life. But we have to understand that he's not just a fix to get every once in a while, but that we have to lean on him and have him guide us in all things 
We have to let him consume our lives. We have, but, but we end up in a place at times when we're, when we're begging for the Lord to move. But again, I just think sometimes we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking for the wrong feelings. Now, we are to remember the things of old, even though that, like I said, Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. But he also says on, on one of the last chapters of Isaiah in 65, it says there'll be a new heaven and new earth and a new Jerusalem, and we will not remember the temporal things of the earth. That would be a great time when we can not remember all of the mistakes and the earthly problems that we face in this world today. But until we get to that point, what are we to do? Let me go to Isaiah 46. This is where it looks almost like Isaiah is completely contradicting himself, but hear me out on this. Isaiah 46 at verse 8, it says this, Remember this to show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will do it. If we cast away the former things and these expectations that we might have, that we expect the Lord to move in a certain way, and instead choose to remember that He is God, there is none like Him from the very beginning of time. In all the annals of history, he is God, none like him, and he declares the end from the beginning. Yeshua is the beginning and the end. He's also the way, the truth, and the life, everything in between. So when we're looking for that guidance, that move of God in our life, are we remembering that we have invited the Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, our Savior, into our lives to lead us in all of our steps. We've been born again. We've had that new beginning from being believers in the faith. And we've invited him. We've, we, then, we went through the mikvah or the baptism and we've been born again and we have a new beginning there, a new beginning that is eternal. It's the beginning and the end. We're not looking for another beginning. However, there's others that are. There's others that haven't had that experience yet. They haven't had a new beginning of understanding what God can do when he's invited into their lives. What I would say is that we have to go back to the beginning the instruction that God, he said, he's saying right here, remember this, go all the way back to the beginning. When there is somebody that is looking for a new beginning, what I say is that what they're instead begging for is the beginning of words, of instruction that comes from the word of God. This was stimulated, this, is what, this whole thought process of mine here was stimulated by a question that I saw from uh, my brother Daniel who got a text message that there was a youth pastor down in Texas that was interested in learning to study Torah. And he's, been, he's, been, he's a Christian. And then he's looking for, like, what, where do I start? Where do I start with now 
going on a new walk. He, he knows, and he might be, have grown up in a Christian church, but he's now looking for a new beginning, something to, a, a new life. It's, there's a sense that there's something more. So where should he start in the study of Scripture? Now, there were some answers to that from some people within the Messianic movement. And the thing that they instead, what they talked about is like, oh, well, he, he needs to start studying this, and he needs to start understanding uh, these principles and the weightier matters of the law, and he needs to start understanding what, what justice is and, and, and this kind of instruction. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, what's he going to do with that? What is a new believer going to do with a piece of instruction and a piece of knowledge that has some sort of finite study that you can study on that and you can think, and then when you're all said and done, you think you know the definition of that Hebrew word and that spiritual concept, and, and, and we understand that. No. Take him back to the beginning. The very beginning. Back to the garden. Put him back in the place where he has to make a choice and understand that he's been given one commandment, just like Adam was, to choose this one thing and to abstain from this one thing, such as this tree, and give him an opportunity to make that choice and that decision, perhaps maybe better than Adam did. Take him back to the beginning. And then teach him the ways of Abraham, how he was called by God and walked through his faith, and how he was a friend of God, made covenant with God, and he believed in the promises of God. Go back to the beginning. Don't start somewhere in the middle of some story with some sort of concept. And there are a lot more people out there that are in that exact same position. Believers, beings, looking for that new beginning. When they, even if they have a testimony of having been born again, but even you, everyone here in the Messianic Assembly, they have a testimony of being born again, but man, did the Lord open your eyes at another point in time and give you another one about truth and what, what, what is right. And I asked you earlier, how do you know that this one, that, that, that this new beginning is the last one, or are you going to go to a new one? I believe that you know that you've arrived when you were looking for and begging for a new beginning. Instead, you went back to the beginning, and that's where you started. You can't go back any further. You can't have anything else be renewed any more than going back to the original testimony of the Scripture, starting from page one and letting God reveal himself in your life. And there are a lot of people that are begging for it. Are we willing and ready to share that with them? It's like a seed in the ground that is just begging for water begging for sunlight to sprout, out, sprout up and be a new creation before the Lord because their heart is being stirred. They want to worship the Lord. They are begging for that renewing of their life. We have to know and we have to be that example to share that with them. Teaching them the word, sharing with them our testimonies of where we came from. And understanding that it's different for every person. Sometimes it looks completely different. But God is still performing miracles in this day and age. Sometimes we just we feel like we don't see them sometimes though. But they're there. Trust me, they're there. If you are in a place where you're looking for the Lord to answer a question, to, to open another door... 
If you're sitting there and begging for what, what comes next, you have to look and you have to, I, I believe that you are, you're trying to trust your own intellect to figure out what to say or what to do rather than putting your whole trust in the Lord. You're not looking to him for all your answers. You're trying to trust in your own intellect. You're trying to, you're trying to trust that maybe he'll do something kind of like he did before. He'll open your eyes in the way that he, he did it before. But God is doing a new thing each and every day. His mercies are new each and every day. You will meet people each day. You'll meet some new friends this year. You might meet somebody that will be your friend for 10 years down the road. Are we really understanding, are are we selling ourselves so short that we think that we have sort of arrived? But what we have to understand is that the Lord is continuing to move with us. He's continuing to move. Keep trusting in him, knowing that it is a trial of our patience. I want to go to the Psalms, Psalm 77. Let me start at verse, let me read the whole chapter. How about that? I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my anguish. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your works of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The words saw you, O God. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings Lit up the world, the earth trembled and shook, your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. 
here at the beginning of the psalm, we have exactly the thing that I was describing. Somebody sitting there desiring to be comforted, troubled, their spirit overwhelmed. And the Lord holds his eyes open. Even though we might be questioning what the Lord is doing, he will cause us to remember his great works that he's done. And talk of his deeds. The great things that God has done. The wonders and the salvation that he has provided. We serve an awesome and amazing God. Why do we ever try to understand his works and Check, check. Battery died. Not the way I planned it. Why do we ever try to understand the works of God, that he's going to open the door, he's going to open our eyes, he's going to reveal something to us, and try to understand it in our earthly comprehension? When his power is so great, his deliverance is so great, that's why we read the stories. That's why we teach our children of the miracles that he's done. That's why we focus on those things, the parting of the Red Sea when we talk of Passover. In the kids' class today, they're talking about the Messiah when he calmed the storm in the seas. Let us put full trust in him, faith in him. That he would do those great wonders. And it will be new again. The spiritual storm that you might find yourself in feels different than any other storm. When he comes and when he calms that storm, the peace, and he, he, he will prove once again his power and his works in all the things that he can do. Let us put our trust in him from the beginning to the end. Our Savior, our Messiah, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the only beginning that we can choose that leads to eternal life. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves perhaps in another slump, begging for another beginning. So let us be the light Let us be the nourishment. Let us be the waters that would cause his life, the life of the Lord, to spring up new in a new creation, in a new believer. So when somebody asks, we need to open our eyes to know there are so many people that are struggling with this. Let us be the light. Let us be the ones that would speak the word of God and let us take them back to the beginning and the powers of what God can do. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you for your words, your instruction. We thank you for your encouragement, Lord. Father, I pray that we would always rely on you in all things. When we are looking for the answers to questions, Father, may we look in your word, may we look 
in all of the wonders and the things that you've done in the past. And may you bring us an answer. Not an answer of earthly things, Father. Not an answer that comes from intellect and knowledge. But, Father, an answer that comes from your Spirit. Give us the mind of Messiah, Lord. Let us think as you think. Give us your thoughts. Give us your emotions, Lord. Show us how to love one another as you love us, as you love the Holy Congregation. Father, I pray for anyone who might be struggling at this time, struggling with what comes next, what the, what's the next move of the Spirit, Father. And Father, I pray that you would fill us up full, Lord. Fill us up with a piece of bread, Lord, that when we eat of it, we'll never be hungry again. Fill us up with a drink that when we drink of it, we will never be thirsty again. Let us cast off and remember not the temporal things, Lord. But let us remember the eternal things, Lord. The things of you. Your word, your teaching, your instruction. Father, may we remember our faith in Yeshua the Messiah. May we always remember our first love, Lord. Let us never look down upon our fellow brethren. Even if they don't believe exactly like we do or in all the things that we do, Father, you are doing a mighty work in the lives of all believers, Lord. All who are in this world. Let us never be so selfish as to think that You've done something for us and that, that somehow that it's not for someone else. Father, the blessings and provisions that you give to us. Lord, you have done the mighty works for all people so that all might be saved. You paid the price for all sinners, Lord. So, Father, I pray that we always remember that. Always recognize that, Lord. And may the example that we always set before our fellow brethren, Lord, be the one that you have placed inside of us. So we love you, we bless you, and thank you on this Sabbath day. We give you all honor, glory, and praise in this place. It's in your son, Yeshua, that we pray. Amen. If we could all rise, please. And the Lord spoke in Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel." Yes, <laughs> 
Lecha Shalom Bashim Yeshu HaMashiach Sarcha Shalom Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Shalom.
with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer 